Well, happy 515 day. We're celebrating our birthday here, and you know, I'm a pastor, so pastors do two things. They try to read the room, and uh, as you're leading and speaking, you're trying to stay focused on God and hear God and follow God and worship God, and you're also trying to read the room and figure out where are all the people so I can lead the people well. That's what Christian's doing. That's what I'm doing. So we're reading you all the time, and I've been reading the room a little bit today, and what I figured out is everybody's really excited about Jesus today at the 1230. That's been good. A lot more excited than the 10, so that's great. Um, but um, also, uh, people are less excited about the fact that it's our fifth birthday at 515 is what I'm reading in the room today. See there? See? No, see? That's exactly right. No one clapped in that entire area over there, so I get it. So what I'm going to try to do today is celebrate our fifth birthday at 515 without making you feel like you're at the dentist for the next few minutes going, when is this going to end? Because I don't care about the fact that it's our birthday at 515 because it is an incredible day for us here at 515. Uh, When I was in school, I lived with a family one summer, and they were a storytelling family. Some families are really great at that. Others are more medium, and some don't tell any stories. What's your family like? Are y'all like champion storytellers at your family? Anybody like you eat the meal, and that only serves as a reason to tell the stories again that you tell over and over and over and over. This family, so we get their amazing family, love them. First meal, and I'm like, all right, so we had a great meal. This has been awesome. I'm thinking we're wrapping up. Oh, no, we're not wrapping up. We're just settling in for about 45 minutes worth of stories. And we did that the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. And any little thing you would say would bring up a family story. So I just stopped talking because it was like, you said, like, yeah, I, uh, you know, we, we got a dog. Oh, dog, yeah. Well, we had Buddy. Remember Buddy? And, and remember we went to Disney World and Buddy got locked in the car? Oh, my goodness. And then that story will get told again. And then anytime that summer a dog was mentioned, dog coming down the street, neighbor's dog, oh, look, their dog. Oh, remember, buddy? Remember when we went to Disney World and buddy got locked in the car? And then they'll tell that whole story. By the front end of the summer, I'm learning all the stories. Midsummer, I know all the stories. By the end of the summer, I'm telling some of the stories. I'm, I'm like, can I tell Buddy? Can I tell Buddy? I like Buddy. Can I tell the story about when y'all went to Disney World and Buddy got locked in the car? So I don't want today to be like, all of our five years worth of stories at 515, and you're here going, okay, great, you got it. it's great, awesome, wonderful, happy birthday, that's great, we just got here. But at the same time today, there's a reason why we're at 515. So we didn't just like all of a sudden wake up one day in life and go, I know, let's go down to Lindbergh and plant a church. And so everything about how we got here, why we got here, when we got here, and that we are at 515 Garson Drive matters and is important to us as a church. And so I want to celebrate that today, but I also, in celebrating the fact that God has done some amazing things here in five years, I want to celebrate the fact that We've got five more years to go, many more, I pray, but let's at least think about that today. And you have a vital role to play in what God is going to do, what he's dreaming about doing at 515 and through 515 in the five years to come. Our address, just to catch everybody up, is 515 Garson Drive. 
I know some of you are like, no, that's what they're talking about. I had no idea. We go to the 1230 and they call it 515. I'm like, I don't know. They have a five, but not a 515. Maybe the five starts at 515. I don't know. I don't really know about all that. I just try to go to church. And the reason why is a big 515 on the building is that's our address on this street. This building isn't our church. No address is the church. We are the church of Jesus Christ. But we gather at a place called 515. And so I want to talk for a few minutes today about why we love 515. Why I love it and why we love it, why our team loves it, why some of you love it. And then I want to talk for a few minutes about some of the things that are going to have to be true about all of us in this room today. If we're going to experience in the next five years the extraordinary kindness, favor, power of God in and through this place for the city of Atlanta, Georgia. Jesus said it this way, and we got a big clue when we moved in to this building. If you didn't know, we were homeless for a few years. We enjoyed it. Uh, We met up in Lawrenceville area. Um, We met in Cobb County at Cobb Energy Center. We met downtown. That's our first meeting at the Tabernacle, you know, where you've seen your favorite bands play, but it really actually was a church back in the day. And we thought, no, we're going to make it a church for uh, a little while. So we met down there and we would rotate around the city before we moved into this place. We moved here. We loved the idea of it and we loved the address of it. And then we actually moved in on May 15th, 2011. And as God would have it, we moved into this place at 515 on 515. And we're not rocket scientists, but we figured out we better check out Matthew 515 and understand what God's doing in and through Passion City Church. It says in verse 14, you are the light of the world. Can I just pause and do like a mini message right here in a whole series that everybody would love for me to preach, and I actually would as well. This country is in a the most unique time possibly in our lifetime. Everybody agree with that? Is anybody nervous about our country? Does everybody think that this whole thing is like, you know, kind of like nobody's really sure what's happening? Well, can I tell you what's happening? You are the light of the world. That's what's happening right now in America. You are the light of the world. And people say, well, I don't know about that, and I'm not sure about this, and I don't know how that's going to work, and I can't even believe that. And what in the world? You are the light of the world. Jesus did not come into America and say, oh, they're going to be the light of the world, or they're going to fix the world, or they're going to change the world, or they're going to do anything in the world. You, my friends, are the light of the world. Isn't that amazing to think that, yeah, we're getting the news and reading the papers and understanding everything that's going on, but then we're going, oh, yeah, it's not up to you. It's not up to you. It's not up to you, and it's not up to you guys. It's up to us to be the light in this world right here and right now. And man, that's just a powerful, powerful shift, isn't it? From attending something, showing up at something, being a member of something, to joining up with Jesus, who is ultimately the light of the world, to be his light in this world. He says, you are a city, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. No, they don't do that. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And that's what God is doing today. He's wanting to put us on a stand in our various parts of the world so that the whole world can be lighted by the light of Jesus. 
He says, in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So we didn't write Passion City Church on the building. Uh, we don't even have a sign. We're trying to get a sign. We really like to have a sign. One day we're going to have a sign on the street that says Passion City Church, and everybody's going to know right then and there they have arrived at the right place. But now we want to have a new location. So we're thinking, do we need a sign or a new location? And so we're kind of leaning a new location. But we'd like to get a sign. If you'd like to go above and beyond your uh, commitment of generosity to our new location and say, let's just get a new entrance with some signs, we'd be happy to do that too. But we didn't put Passion City Church on the building. And so people, when we came into the neighborhood, they're like, man, we like that building. That's cool. A lot cooler than what was there. We'll talk about that in a second. But what is it? And, and people would just drive in the parking lot. I mean, we'd have people almost every day just drive in the parking lot. We'd watch them after hours. They'd come up to the front doors and they'd look in the doors and try to figure out, like, what's going on in this place? And a guy drives in and says to Shelly, what is this? Is this a lighting store? We're, we're looking for a lighting store. Is this a lighting store? Because you got those cool little, you know, like bulb lights hanging up there in the open thing. And maybe, we don't know, maybe it's a lighting store. It used to be a Home Depot Expo Design Center. Maybe now it's where you get lamps and other things. And Shelly just, without even thinking, she said, yeah, it's a lighting store. Absolutely. Yeah, come Sunday. We're open for business. We're a lighting store. That's what we are. And so we got it. So why do we love 515? give you a couple of reasons. One, because 515, and this is a little history, so Buddy's only going to be in the car at Disney World for a minute, so hang in there with us. We love 515 because 515 was about transformation from day one. So when you roll up now, this is what you see at Passion City Church when you come in, some, something like this. And it's, it's beautiful and nice and organized and cool and uh, you you, you kind of, it's welcoming, inviting. When we rolled up to 515, this is what we saw when we rolled up on day one. That does not look overly thrilling, inspiring, or inviting. No knock on Home Depot Expo Design Center and board it up. And what we didn't do on day one was get a line of bulldozers and just demolish the whole thing and say, that is the worst looking building. It's got graffiti on it. It's got a chain link fence around it. It's dilapidated and run down. Uh, obviously, you know, we just need to implode this thing and start over. No, we didn't do that. We looked at it. Well, we couldn't afford to do that. We needed to rehab it. That's what we could afford to do. But I love that that is the opportunity we had. So we looked at a building that had seen better days, had three retail businesses in it before we arrived. We looked at it. We saw vision. We trusted God. And we started a process of transformation on this site. And I love that about Passion City Church because that's the nature of the gospel we celebrate today. God's not looking to bulldoze your life. He's looking to transform your life. He's looking to take you from where you are into the vision of what he sees that you can be. We work every day. Our team does here planning, strategizing, dreaming, uh, putting all the energy behind everything we do here. And we work in a beautiful space that looks like this. Some of the most inspiring space, if you're going to come somewhere and work long hours like our team does and dream about what's going to happen, some of the most inspiring space, even with that For the City grid where all the ITP neighborhoods of Atlanta are listed inside that circle, and you can just see that every day. That space used to look like this space, which was absolutely unfinished, gutted out, 
the remnants of what was, and that's a picture of what God does. People talk about uh, our church, and I hear people say all the time, Passion City Church for me has been a house of hope. It's been a place of healing. It's the kind of church I know that somebody can come and find a comeback in your church. And I'm like, you know, that's exactly true. And it's been like that since day one. And I'm so glad God didn't give us some pristine acres and enough cash on day one just to put up a beautiful building out of the ground. But he gave us the vision of taking something that was and making it into what God dreamed it would be. God is a God of transformation, people, and this is a house of transformation, and literally, this building is a building of transformation. The second thing I love about being in this building right here is this building reminds me every time we come to it that this is what a small tribe of committed people can do. When we stopped our nomad days and decided to take uh, the reins of this property, 17 acres, 130,000 square foot building, whatever it is, um, we, we didn't have an army of people. We started on day one with a lot of people. Our church started with a crowd, but we've been in the process of seven years of turning the crowd into a church because the church isn't a crowd. The church is people connected together, linked together, carrying together the story of Jesus. And at the very beginning, we didn't have a big, gigantic army of people, but we had a small, committed Core, a central group who felt ownership in the vision of what God was going to do in this place. And through that core, that committed core, God has done everything he's done in the five years that we're celebrating today. I remember the mornings, morning after morning after morning, before we ever opened the door, that men would come and stand on the four corners of our property and ask God to bless this house I remember seeing pictures of men on their knees in front of the doors of our building before the doors of our building had ever been opened to the city on their knees, 7 a.m. in the morning saying, God, we're asking you to establish this house as a place for your renown in the city of Atlanta. When we were putting up the sheetrock, some of you know this, in the main corridor that you walked in, coming in and going out behind the bump out wall, the wall where something cool happens every week. Isn't that miraculous how that happens, by the way? Behind that bump out wall on the sheetrock literally written are the prayers, the scriptures, the hopes, and the dreams of a small committed core who believed for you and your family and what God's doing in your life. And they wrote them on the wall so that every time you gather here, including today, you walk past their prayers and under the fountain of their faith, coming in and going out, a committed core prayed for you, believed for you, gave for you, and opened a way for what God was going to do in this place. There weren't thousands of them. There were only hundreds of them writing on the wall. But I love that we see what God can do. I'm standing on top of flooring given by a family in our church that's here today, and they own a flooring business. So they said, we'd like to give the the flooring that's going to cover this and other areas in, in the building. And we were so grateful for that. But before we put the flooring down on the concrete, here and there and there and there and there and there and there and there, everywhere on this entire stage are written verses of hope and trust in Almighty God to change the lives of people in the city. And I'm standing on them right now. And every time someone's led you, And every time someone's opened the word of God for you, 
They've literally done it standing on the faith of a committed core of people. And God's way has always been that way. God has never needed a crowd to do anything. He's always looked for a few people who fully would link up with his purpose in faith and yield their lives to his plan. And through them, through 12 or through three or through two, God shows up and can change the entire world. And I love that about this place, 515. The third thing I love about this place, because you weren't going to clap for that one. I'll go to the next one and try to do better. The third thing I love about 515 is that it's in a neighborhood. It's in a neighborhood. We dreamed about being in a neighborhood. Now, you live in a neighborhood, and I live in a neighborhood, but we wanted to gather in a neighborhood. And when God gave us Lindbergh, we were so thrilled about being in a neighborhood woven into the story of a neighborhood. And what a neighborhood. We've said it many, many times here, but we are in such an amazing spot in this city. 1.9 miles that way, Piedmont and Peachtree, the epicenter of the population of Atlanta 2020 is 1.9 miles from our front door. We've got rich people on one side. We've got day laborers on the other side. We've got Marta rails and Piedmont traffic. And the Marta rails, by the way, were, were, was one of the things we were praying the most for. We said, God, wherever we start, we want to start where Marta trains can come by our building. So if you're in Passion Kids and you listen carefully, you're in middle school right now in the loading dock, uh, you can hear the train coming by the whole time. During work hours here, if it's really quiet, you hear both the train and the Marta train coming by. We said, yeah, that's where we want to be. We want to be in the fabric of a neighborhood. And so we've got young professionals. We've got homeless people. Remember when we were just a little core meeting in homes, we, we dreamed of a church where a millionaire could sit on the same row as a homeless person. And God said, well, I'll do that. In fact, how would you like a, a gathering site where homeless people actually live on your property? And they do. You're like, well, why do they do that? Because they want to do that. Have you tried to help them? Yes, but they like living on the property, and they do today, and come to the gathering. Could be sitting in your section right now, and we love that. We wanted to be a church that felt like heaven, where the kingdom of God could come to all people. So you know we've got some great things in our neighborhood and some not-so-great things in our neighborhood We've got some brand new businesses coming up, and we've got clubs that none of us are all that thrilled about in our neighborhood. And we've got a community that's vibrant again, but when we showed up, the bust of 2007, 2008 had left a malaise in the neighborhood. That's why there was a fence around this property. Developers had bought it for incredible vision, but everything blew up in 2007 and 2008, and they were out. And you could see apartment complexes half developed, new but old next to it, and nobody, the developers were gone. And I wonder five years ago, I honestly wonder five years ago, who cared about Lindbergh in this neighborhood five years ago? But I know God did, because God put us in this neighborhood, and we're not the only people that care about this neighborhood, but he put us in this neighborhood, and we begin to care about the people of this neighborhood. Shelly came home one day. We were not living here. We live in this neighborhood now. 
So it's not just a neighborhood. This is our neighborhood, but we used to live out further from here. And Shelly came home one day, and she said, man, I, it, it's 515. I know it's 515. This is where God wants us to be. And I'm like, what kind of you know, revelation did you have? What happened? You know, how, how, do you, how do you feel so confident about that? She said, I was down uh, around the location we're thinking about moving to, and I was stopped at a traffic light, and there was a crazy person on the sidewalk, literally out of their mind on the sidewalk. And when I saw them, God said, this is your neighborhood. Put your light on a stand in this neighborhood and show this neighborhood the light and the love of Jesus. And we did. And we did. I love it. So we celebrate all the amazing things. Garden Hills is our elementary school. It's our APS school just up the way. It's a beautiful collection of ethnicities and nationalities. And our church, our house has adopted Garden Hills Elementary School, and for five years, we've just said, what can we do to help? We have offered them encouragement. We've offered them resources. There are kids sitting at desks working on computers that, that you have provided today in Garden Hills. We've hosted their fall festival. Our door holders have gone and served in that place and leaned into that school. And if you walked in the door right now to the principal of Garden Hills Elementary School and said, tell me just one of the things that God God has done to really encourage and bless you in the last few years. I guarantee you, top of the list, or at least close up there, I hope top, would be, oh, Passion City Church, man. They have been a game changer in the lives of the kids at Garden Hills Elementary School. And that happened because we moved into the neighborhood. Uh, we looked across the way at the lower income families and we saw a lot of their kids going to Garden Hills and we realized that, you know, in the suburbs, all the moms and dads, or at least most of them will take the kids to Target. Everybody gets a backpack. Everybody gets school supplies. That's just normal. At least was for my life, probably for yours as well. But these lower income kids that were living just right there, they, they don't have that opportunity. So we said, hello, we're going to do backpacks for all the kids in our neighborhood. And we have done thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands thousands of backpacks over our five-year journey in this neighborhood so that kids could go with confidence and with a little extra pep in their step and with some dignity and Spider-Man on their back feeling like I can go to third grade and do something amazing. And all that happened because God put us in a neighborhood. There are ladies from the clubs in our neighborhood that we didn't turn our eye to. We didn't say, oh, when we pass that, we're just going to ignore and act like that doesn't exist. No, we ask God, and it's tricky, it's complicated, it takes incredible spirit leadership, and we don't talk about it a lot, but we engage those places in Jesus' name. And ladies, precious ladies from those clubs have come through these doors, sat in these seats. There might be one of you precious ladies sitting in this gathering, have heard the story of Jesus, have come to faith in him, have been set free into a brand new hope of life, and have been baptized right there in this building because we are in a neighborhood and we love being in a neighborhood. A girl got baptized three weeks ago. She said, yeah, I live across the street. People who live across the street, God bless them. You know, they didn't move into those apartments on a Sunday morning. I guarantee you that. They came and looked at that on a Wednesday afternoon and said, oh, this is amazing. Great view of the city. And I don't know about the lighting store across the street, but hey, you know, that's not going to bother me. And then all of a sudden Sunday rolled along and they can't go anywhere. They can't get out. They have to adjust their schedule accordingly. 
This girl said, well, I just kept watching all the people showing up and all the people showing up and all the people showing up. And finally I said, I don't know what they're doing in that church, but they must be some, doing something in that church. And she came out of her apartment and all she had to do was walk across the street to come through the door to meet Jesus, to have her life changed and to be baptized and to tell her story. Thank you. I happen to live in the neighborhood. I love fourth about 515 that we're in the city. Can I get an amen or no? Thank you. 1230 is more of our city crowd. I like that. 10 o'clock, they're like, boom. Come to Conyers. It's not a city. Uh, I think that's the Chamber of Commerce, Commerce, Chamber of Commerce calling. Hang on, let me take this call. Atlanta means a lot of things to a lot of people, but come on. Uh, Kennesaw, anybody? Hello, Kennesaw, Conyers? Coming, Fayetteville, Douglasville, Alpharetta, Buckhead, Lawrenceville. It's all Atlanta, but come on. Atlanta is a city, not a suburb. Yeah, we got tons of suburbs, but they comprise a city, one of the top 10 population centers in America, and one of the leading cities in the world. Atlanta is suburban, but it is a collection of suburban into a thriving six and a half million person metropolis, and it is growing rapidly. And I love that we have a skyline view. You see Passion City Church from the right angle, and you realize there's the city we call home. And I know that that Atlanta is the same in Alpharetta as it is in, in Douglasville, that it is in Jonesboro, that it is in Fayetteville or wherever, but it's a city collective, and God has a city heart. You're like, well, what does that mean? Does God not like small-town people? No, He loves small-town people. God loves all-town people, but Jesus didn't die in a small town. He died in the biggest city He could get to. Because cities collect and aggregate, God transforms and explodes, and then from cities the gospel travels to every home in the world. And that's the way all of life works right now, not just the church of Jesus Christ. And we love cities. It's even in our name, Passion City Church. You know why that's in our name? Because we wanted to be Passion Church, but that was taken. I don't know if I've ever said it publicly or not, but we went online and passionchurch.com was already taken by some people in Atlanta, Georgia. We were like, what? Come to find out, they had been inspired by the passion movement and started a little church and called it Passion Church and got passionchurch.com and we're like, yeah, but, 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 but we're the people that inspired you. You think you can loan it back to us? No, we're not doing that. And I was like, okay, great. So we're stuck. And then Matt Redmond, he and his family had come for two years to help plant his church. And he just says one day, like he does, because he's so smart and witty. And he says, why don't we just call it Passion City Church? Because we just did a tour to 17 cities in the world. We were just in Tokyo and Hong Kong and Jakarta and Kuala Lumpur and Kiev and London and Paris and Johannesburg. And why don't we just call it Passion City Church? And I said, bam, done. Can we get that? PassionCityChurch.com. It's available. That's who we are. That's how we got our name. It wasn't through a whole night of fasting and prayer. It was just Matt Redmond, and he's a fourth member of the Trinity, so it's just as good as a night of fasting and prayer. So we're Passion City Church. And you know what that says about us? It says, where are, where's our future? Our future is in cities. 
Our future's in cities. Made up of suburbs, but our future's in cities. So we're probably, I don't know, we might, I don't, I'm not going to rule it out, but we might or might not plant it, you know, four licks and two, two bumbella over there, wherever that is. You know, we're going to be looking at cities, you know. That's where we're headed in the future. So what's it going to take? Oh, there's one more, sorry. The fifth thing I love about 515, oh gosh, this one's the best one, is that it, it's not easy. And I love that. You're like, well, that's one of the things I hate about 515. Why do you love that about 515? I don't mean it that way. I just mean that I love that we are in a city and we are in a neighborhood. We are on a cut-through street. We are in a place built for 150 shoppers, not five, six, seven thousand worshipers, plus their kids in bloom. And so it's not easy, and it never was. We didn't sit around, I just want you to know, in, in the living room and go, let's think about how to make this the most miserable experience possible for people. Let's drive them to parking decks. <laughs> Write that down. We, we didn't start trying to make it miserable. God just led us to a neighborhood, and then he showed up, and it blew up. And then it's hard. But you know what? If you think about it and you rewind it, isn't that great that that's how we started? I mean, we could have had uh, valet parking on day one. We could have had a real cool cafe. We could have had reserved seating on your app, on your phone, and a concierge who met you at the front door with your particular snacks for the gatherings because they're kind of long, especially the 1230. People are hungry. We could have had express services. We could have had a, cleaning, a cleaners where you could get your laundry done while you were here and have it hanging in your car when, you got, when it came back around with the valet at the end, you know. You're like, ooh, now you're talking. Now, now you're talking. That's your next vision and leadership night right there. You build that, I will pay for it. I'm not paying for another one of these, but you build that, I will help you do that. But isn't it great that that's the way we started? Because you know what it did? It kind of, A, it blew up the mindset of church planting, which is, man, you just have to make it as easy as possible for people. No, you don't. You just have to have a place where Jesus is blowing up people's hearts. That's what you have to have. And I love that it sort of defied the odds of church planting. And I love that it set in our minds right away that the gospel is powerful. In a convenient culture, the gospel is still powerful. So what's it going to take for us to get five years down the road? Well, it's going to take you and me is what it's going to take. And see, this is where we all jump on board together because you're like, well, I wasn't around for all that. My, my prayers and scriptures aren't written in the sheetrock of the wall. I, I, I wasn't involved in the early prayer decisions to ask God to do something here. But that's beautiful because we're about to roll it again. And Lord willing, I'll be here five years from now as we're celebrating the 10-year anniversary. So I'm not thinking about, you know, going anywhere in five months or in a few years or something going to change. A lot of us are on board here. We see the vision for here five years from now and five years from then. And you have a chance. We have a chance together to be a part of that. So what's it going to take? Well, I'll go backwards up to the top one. Uh, the first thing that I want you to know it's going to take is it's going to take believing in God to do the miraculous and supernatural just like it did at the beginning. When things start in life, you've been there, 
We really trust God, don't we? But then they get up and running and they get on cruise mode. And then what do we do? We get on cruise mode. And we forget that the God who wanted to do and did something supernatural at the beginning wants to continue to do something supernatural in this moment and in the moments to come. And so the worst thing that could happen to us is we could stop believing God and start believing the odds. And the odds are always going to be stacked against you, and they're always going to be stacked against the church of Jesus Christ, at least in this world. The odds on getting this place, very small. Guys who owned it, uh, who had a fence around it, wanted to sell it, but they didn't want to lease it. We couldn't afford to buy it, and we needed to lease it. And we kept telling them, we got to lease it. God, please let us lease it. We got to lease it. God, please let us lease it. We got to lease it. God, please let us lease it. And then they said, we're not leasing it. Click. And we went, okay, thanks for letting us know. God, we need to lease it. God, we need to lease it. God, we, we, can't, we need to lease it. I mean, you can, unless you want to buy it, you can buy it, but we, don't, we need to lease it. Phone rings. Hey, we've thought about it. We'll lease it to you. And from that moment forward, it hasn't been about the odds against us. It's been about the God that's for us. And that's what it's going to take to get us the next five years. The second thing it's going to take is that we're going to have to embrace a gather-scatter mentality. To get the next five years, you have to step in with me and embrace a gather-scatter mentality. Now, you may be visiting today, and this might not be your church. You're like, man, I picked the wrong day. They're celebrating their birthday and talked a story about when Buddy was locked in the car, and I didn't know any of it, and, you know, we're just here from Cleveland. I mean, I, it's a terrible week to get to Passion City Church. No, what church do you go to? What church are you a part of? And in the church that you're a part of, do you have a gather and scatter mentality? Because if you don't, five years from now, your church is going to be lame. This church is going to be lame in five years. If we don't embrace a gather-scatter mentality, what does that mean? It means that we don't see it as a one-stop shop. We see it as an organism that is moving and living and breathing in every part of the city. That's what this text is all about. Eugene Peterson, he does a masterful job on this text. And this is what he says in verse 13 in the message. Let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and you'll end up in the garbage. Well, here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God's not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bears, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. The way that we are salt and light in the world is not by gathering, it's by scattering. The salt is kept in the little weatherproof Shelters along the freeway, not to sit there forever, 
but so that in the moments of need, it can be loaded up, trucked up, exported, dumped and dropped to do what it needs to do on all the roadways of the city. And so we do love to gather, but the purpose of being light is to scatter. It doesn't do the city any good for us to all come here and go, we're the light of the world. We're the light of the world. It only does the city good when we move out of here with the mentality, I am the salt of the earth. So in this day and time, this salt is preserving. You catch a fish on Friday and you want to eat it on Tuesday. The only way you can do that in Jesus' day was by preserving it with salt. It slowed down the process of rot and decay. And so he says, get out in every part, in every seam, in every nook, in every cranny, in every corner of this city. And slow down the onslaught of the enemy with a life filled with the power and the goodness and the glory and the God colors of heaven. And stop the rot in the city by being a different kind of person in the way that you live. We light the world not by telling the world we're light, but by living a life that looks different from the life that the world thinks is life. And that gather-scatter mentality is the key. How we live trumps what we believe, amen? Do you know why? Because how we live is what we believe. It is what we believe. And if we believe a third of what we come and confess in this place, we're going to go out and walk as a different kind of people. The next thing that's got to be true of you and of me, if we're going to be five years from now celebrating what God has done, is that we have to curate a culture of invitation at Passion City Church. We have to curate a culture of invitation, not a program, but a culture. Not a, oh, this is our inviting week. No, a culture of invitation. So that the church doesn't become about membership, but it becomes about mission. And what is the mission? Our mission is clear that every single person in Atlanta, Georgia, have a chance to say yes to Jesus, period. That's the mission. And until that is done, the church is still moving forward in faith in the city and in the world. When we arrived here, there was a fence around the property. We started working on the building, but then you know what we did? We took the fence down so that people could get in on what God is doing. And our invitation takes the fence down for people and lets them move towards the person of Jesus Christ. You're inviting. I'm telling you what's going to happen. Some people are going to say, yes, I love that we're an inviting house because all the last baptisms, almost every one of them in the story. Well, my neighbor invited me. The guy at the, at the fitness club invited me. My friend, when I moved to town, invited me. My, my mom invited me. Someone invited me. That's how people get in on what God is doing. But some people are going to say no. They're going to say no because it's too far. Anybody told you that? I'd like to come to Passion City Church, but it's too far. Anybody told you that before? It's too far. And when they say it's too far, just go, okay, I get it. That's how it. Just say, okay, I understand. That's great. I just, man, it's amazing for us. It's kind of far for us too. But oh my goodness, is it not incredible what God is doing in our family's life? And just leave it at that. Just leave it right there. You don't have to add on, well, I know it's kind of far, but it's not as far as going to the Braves game. And you all went to the Braves game last weekend, didn't you? You don't have to add that. Don't add that, okay? Don't throw that in. Don't know, it's not as far as the airport. I know you go there five times a month. You know, it's not as far as going to Seaside. Didn't y'all just come back from Seaside? That's a long way down to Seaside. It's not that far. It's not as far. Didn't y'all just drive two-week vacation out to Yosemite? That's far. It's not quite that far. It's not quite as far as going down to Nordstrom. Didn't y'all go to Nordstrom and get that dress for prom last weekend? Not quite that far. But it is far. Yeah, don't add, you don't have to add all that. Don't, don't add all that stuff to it. Just go, okay, yeah, I know it's far. Some of you are going to tell you it's too complicated. 
I went down there one time, and I mean, there's people flagging and waving and go this way and go that way and come around the block. And I was like, man, I'm just going to go to Starbucks. And God knows I tried. I mean, I don't know. It's too complicated. Some people just think it's too much. Everybody told you that? I've heard some people tell me that. It's just too much. That place is too much. I'm like, well, tell me what. This is like too clappy. It's like too happy. It's like, I get it. I recommend, and I name four or five other churches they can go to that are near, closer to them, not clappy at all, <laughs> not extraordinarily happy, but go there then. I mean, seriously, just find a place and lean toward Jesus. Some people say when you invite them, their no is simply because it's, it's too long. It's just too long. You drive down there, you park, you go in, the gatherings are long. It's just, all of it's just too long. I'm not going to do that. It's too loud. There's too much Jesus. I mean, you go in that church and it's like, whoa, what happened here? I mean, I've been to church 50 times and I've never even heard them talk about Jesus. This is crazy. It was too much energy. Too many people talk to you. Somebody told me that one time. I went there, I mean, like, parking lot. Hi, how you doing? I'm like, oh, I don't know you. And then I got in the building. It's like, hello, hello, hi, how you doing? Good to see you. We're glad you're here. Can I help you find a seat? I was like, yeah, that's too many people for me. But here's the thing. It's okay if people say no. Can we say that together? It's okay if people say no. Let's say it one more time. It's okay if people say no. That doesn't mean we love it, especially if you love them. But it's okay. It's not okay if they never get invited. It's not okay if they never get invited. <clears throat> the next thing that's got to be true of you and me Generosity must remain normal if we're going to be celebrating five years from now the extraordinary things that God has done. There are going to be thousands of people here today. Now, I'm just going to ask. Don't feel bad when I ask you this. Uh, no, I won't ask you. Um, but it's powerful. Not, it's not negative. It's just powerful. What if I ask how many of you invested in the don't remember the number now, 12 plus million dollars that was given by a small tribe of people to turn a dilapidated building into a house of hope for the city. What if I asked today, how many of you gave to that process of transformation? Bought these chairs, paid for these lights, this sound system, this screen, this stage, the air conditioning that's been redone in this building, the openings, the places where bloom babies are, passion kids, all of it, it would be very, very few hands raised in this gathering. You know why? Because the committed core, when they gave, they were giving for the future generation. They were giving for you. They gave so that you could know his ways so that you could experience his life and power. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, so thank you to that core of people who gave and did all this. Now, you're like, well, we're, we're giving now, I know, and you're helping us do what we're doing now. But they provided all this as a starting point for you and for me. 
And so the beauty of today is that we don't look back and go, oh, man, I wasn't around when they, you know, transformed the building. And I don't, have a, I don't really have a stake in that. You have a stake in doing that again so that the thousands and thousands and tens of thousands, and there will actually be hundreds of thousands of bodies sitting in these seats in the next five years. You have the opportunity to be generous again so that people that we've not seen yet and that you don't know will come through this door and experience what you have experienced at Passion City church. And when we continue to know and live like generosity is normal, it's not like you become a Christian and then you sort of, you know, get the advanced course and that's generosity. No, Christianity is generosity. Following Jesus is generosity. It's normal. That's one of the values in our culture document. You know, we, everything we do is rooted in a culture, and that culture is all, you know, captured in some of these amazing statements. And one of the statements in our culture, I mean, when you read it, when you walk through it, uh, you're going to get to the, the part where it just says generosity is normal. And it's going to unfold why that's an important Part of the culture of our house. And then the last thing, and it's kind of the obvious one, we're going to get there in five years if we keep our message clear. If we keep our message clear, we're going to celebrate an amazing five years of seeing the supernatural work of God. And what is that? That is Jesus. He is our lead story. We started with that lead story And if we can manage, by the grace of God, to keep that our lead story, and when a house grows, its rooms grow. When its rooms grow, its leaders grow. When its leaders grow, its people grow. When its objectives grow, all of its targets grow. And in those moments, there's always going to be an opportunity to let the lead story become something else. But we're not going to do that by the grace of God. We're going to keep on printing the headline every single day, Jesus is alive. He is our lead story. So if you open our culture document, the first thing it's going to tell you, and you're like, what are you holding in your hands? This is what everyone that comes to work on our team, you onboard through this culture document. Every door holder at our church onboards through this culture document. This is why we do what we do. This is the way we do what we do. And this is why you've noticed everything around here seems to have a symmetry and a rhythm because it's done on purpose. And the very first thing says us, and it describes Passion City Church. And then we start into our values and standards. Number one, Jesus is our lead story. See, for us to get where we want to get, he's going to have to become your lead story. For us to be a a church for the city and for the world, Jesus is going to at some point need to become your lead story. So yes, I have a story, I'm in school. Yes, I have a story, I have a business. Yes, I have a story, we're having a baby. Yes, I have a story, we're getting married. Yes, I have a story, man, we just hit it big. Yes, I have a story, we went to Tuscany. Yes, I have a story that blah, 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 blah. But that's not my lead story. My lead story is Jesus is alive. And so we just put it at the front of the sentence. It says, Jesus is our lead story. In fact, Jesus is our only story. He is preeminent in our hearts and central in all we do. We believe Jesus is unrivaled in history and eternity. He is God and he is good. 
glorious both now and forever. His name is the only name that saves. His power is the only power that can raise us from the dead. Our goal is not just to get people to church. Ultimately, we want people to meet Jesus. That's why we say we are a Jesus church. We really don't want to be identified by any other name. And if we can, you can clap for that. Yeah, that's great. If we can manage over five years to keep Jesus our lead story, then I, I have a, a great hope and a pretty solid faith that we're going to see something extraordinary happen in this place because we're not just a tiny tribe anymore. We're a growing army. So you say, well, that's a lot to swallow, Louis. I see what you want me to do for the next five years is you want me to keep believing God? You want me to scatter and gather? You want me to live a radical different life out in my community? You want me to invite people along and to have a curate a culture of invitation? You want me to give generously and really sacrifice for the future generations? And you want me to make Jesus my lead story? That's a lot of stuff, and I know it is. But what if we started with one step today? What if on our fifth birthday, we all blew out the candles together? And in blowing out the candles, we all said, I commit, not to five years of anything, because who knows? I mean, you know, it's Atlanta, Georgia. People don't even stay in Atlanta five years. Carry this wherever you go, to whatever church you weave into and serve. But what if we just blew out the candles today and said, for 30 days, God, I want to take a step and I want to pray one simple prayer for 30 days. Would you do that? Well, let me show you the prayer first and then you can say, here's the prayer. Because this is what kind of summarizes everything being salt and light and open house is all about. So here's the prayer. God, today, so you'll pray this today if you want to start today because God can still work even though there's only half a day left. He's, he can probably work with that. Or you can start tomorrow morning. Today, open one door for me to be salt and light for someone in my city. What do you think about that prayer? What do you think about trying that for 30 days? You're like, I don't know. I just got here. I don't even know the Bible good. I'm not even sure I'm a Christian. <laughs> what if you just tried this prayer? Because there's parts of this everybody here can be a part of. Even if you just showed up and don't even know who Jesus is. God, today open one door for me to be salt and light for someone in my city. To either lift somebody. God, open one door for me to lift up somebody today. To put my arm around them. Speak hope to them. Speak encouragement to them. Notice them. Recognize them. Care about them. Just lift them somehow today. One person. This, you open the door. I'm not going to walk out the door going, okay, i got to lift somebody today. Okay, I'm lifting you today. You're going to be my person today. You're, 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 do you want to be lifted? Well, I'm going to lift you anyway because i got to lift somebody today because we blew out the candles. And for 30 days, we're going to do this together. You're going to be my person today. Get ready. Here we go. I'm going to lift you. No, you're just asking God. You open the door. So somebody walks up and he says, man, I feel so discouraged. And you're like, is this the person that you wanted me to lift today? 
Yes, this is the person. <laughs> to secondly, to share my faith. Remember, you're not walking out the door going, hey, hey, you, I got to share my faith today. Okay, you ready? All right. No, just so if somebody comes to your cubicle and says, you know what, I know you, you know, are a Christian or whatever and go to church. What, what is that really all about being a Christian? Yes, this is the person that when you prayed this morning, this is them. Go. Thank you. To invite along. So the door opens and somebody says, yeah, no, I haven't been in church in a while or I really haven't met anybody in Atlanta or I don't really, I feel blah, blah, blah. My, 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 my wife just left me. My kids are in turmoil. Hey, man, you know what? It might be a good time for you to just come along. Or lastly, God, open a door so that I can just meet one need. In Jesus' name. I can circle back around the block and go through the drive-thru again because there's two homeless people on the corner. And so I've, I've got time. I've got the space. And I have 10 bucks. And so I'm just going to loop around one more time. And I, I hope they like what I'm going to order. And I'm just going to drive up and put the window down and say, you know, hope, hope if you're not hungry, please share it with somebody who is. God sees you. God knows you. What's your name? Larry. God loves you, Larry. Just one door. And it doesn't have to be all four doors. Just a door to either lift somebody, share my faith, invite somebody along, or just meet one need in Jesus' name. What if we blew out the candles on our fifth birthday cake today and said for 30 days, I'm gonna pray that prayer and see what God does. And here's the best thing, here's the best thing about it. If God doesn't open a door, you're good. You get home and you're like, eh, eh, I prayed, no doors. Easy, watch Netflix, you're good, you're, you're, all, you're home free. But you know if you pray that prayer, he's going to open a door, right? Because he said, you are the light of the world. And I want to set you on a lampstand so you can give light to the whole house. So what about it? Who would be willing to say, That's, I'm in for 30 days. I want to pray that prayer for 30 days and see what God does. I'm a little nervous because I don't even know how to share my faith good, but I'm available to God for 30 days. If he opens a door, if he opens a door, I'm going to pray for 30 days to lift somebody, share my faith, invite someone along, or meet a need in Jesus' name.